Section 1 of Volsunga Saga. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Volsunga Saga by Anonymous. Translated by Eric Magnusson and William Morris. Section 1. Chapter 1. Heer Heverup. Here begins the tale, and tells of a man who was named Sigi, and called of men, the son of Odin. Another man withal is told of in the tale, hight Skadi, a great man and mighty of his hands. Yet was Sigi the mightier and the higher of kin, according to the speech of men of that time. Now Skadi had a thrall with whom the story must deal somewhat, Brethi by name who was called after that work which he had to do. In prowess and might of hand, he was equal to men who were held more worthy, yea, and better than some thereof. Now it is to be told that on a time Sigi fared to the hunting of the deer, and the thrall with him, and they hunted deer day-long till the evening. And when they gathered together their prey in the evening, lo, greater and more by far was that which Brethi had slain than Sigi's prey. And this thing he much misliked, and he said that great wonder it was that a very thrall should outdo him in the hunting of deer. So he fell on him, and slew him, and buried the body of him thereafter in a snowdrift. Then he went home at evening tide, and says that Brethi had ridden away from him into the wildwood. Soon was he out of my sight, he says, and naught more I wot of him. Skadi misdoubted the tale of Sigi, and deemed that this was a guile of his, and that he would have slain Brethi. So he sent men to seek for him, and to such an end came their seeking that they found him in a certain snowdrift. Then said Skadi that men should call that snowdrift Brethi's Drift from henceforth, and thereafter have folk followed, so that in such wise they call every drift that is right great. Thus it is well seen that Sigi has slain the thrall and murdered him. So he is given forth to be a wolf in holy places, and may no more abide in the land with his father. Therewith Odin bare him fellowship from the land, so long away that right long it was, and made no stay till he brought him to certain warships. So Sigi falls to lying out a warring, with the strength that his father gave him or ever they parted. And happy was he in his warring, and ever prevailed, till he brought it about that he won by his wars land and lordship at the last. And thereupon he took to him a noble wife, and became a great and mighty king, and ruled over the land of the Huns, and was the greatest of warriors. He had a son by his wife, who was called Rerir, who grew up in his father's house, and soon became great of growth and shapely. Chapter 2 Now Sigi grew old, and had many to envy him, so that at last those turned against him whom he trusted most, yea, even the brothers of his wife. For these fell on him at his unwariest, when there were few with him to withstand them, and brought so many against him that they prevailed against him, and there fell Sigi and all his folk with him. But Rerir his son was not in this trouble, and he brought together so mighty a strength of his friends and the great men of the land, that he got to himself both the lands and kingdom of Sigi his father. And so now, when he deems that the feet under him stand firm in his rule, then he calls to mind that which he had against his mother's brothers, who had slain his father. So the king gathers together a mighty army, and therewith falls on his kinsmen, deeming that if he made their kinship of small account, 
yet nonetheless they had first wrought evil against him. So he wrought his will herein, in that he departed not from strife before he had slain all his father's banesmen, though dreadful the deed seemed in every wise. So now he gets land, lordship, and fee, and has become a mightier man than his father before him. Much wealth won in war got rarer to himself, and wedded a wife withal, such as he deemed meet for him. And long they lived together, but had no child to take the heritage after them. And ill-content they both were with that, and prayed the gods with heart and soul that they might get them a child. And so it is said that Odin hears their prayer, and Freya, no less, hearkens wherewith they prayed unto her. So she, never lacking for all good counsel, calls to her her casket-bearing May, the daughter of Hrimnir the giant, and sets an apple in her hand, and bids her bring it to the king. She took the apple, and did on her the gear of a crow, and went flying till she came whereas the king sat on a mound, and there she let the apple fall into the lap of the king. But he took the apple, and deemed he knew whereto it would avail. So he goes home from the mound to his own folk, and came to the queen, and some deal of that apple she ate. So, as the tale tells, the queen soon knew that she was big with child, but a long time war or ever she might give birth to the child. So it befell that the king must needs go to the wars, after the custom of kings, that he may keep his own land in peace. And in this journey it came to pass that Rerir fell sick and got his death, being minded to go home to Odin, a thing much desired of many folk in those days. Now, no otherwise it goes with the queen's sickness than heretofore nor may she be the lighter of her child. And six winters wore away with the sickness still heavy on her, so that at the last she feels that she may not live long. Wherefore now she bade cut the child from out of her, and it was done, even as she bade. A man-child was it, and great of growth from his birth, as well might be. And they say that the youngling kissed his mother or ever she died. But to him a name is given, and he is called Volsung, and he was king over Hunland in the room of his father. From his early years he was big and strong, and full of daring in all manly deeds and trials, and he became the greatest of warriors, and of good hap in all the battles of his warfaring. Now when he was fully come to man's estate, Hrimnir the giant sends to him Hlioth his daughter, she of whom the tale told that she brought the apple to Rerir, Volsung's father, so Volsung weds her withal, and long they abode together with good hap and great love. They had ten sons and one daughter, and their eldest son was hight Sigmund, and their daughter Signy, and these two were twins, and in all wise the foremost and the fairest of the children of Volsung the king, and mighty, as all his seed was, even as has been long told from ancient days and in tales of long ago, with the greatest fame of all men how that the Volsungs have been great men and high-minded and far above the most of men, both in cunning and in prowess and in all things high and mighty. So says the story that King Volsung let build a noble hall in such a wise that a big oak tree stood therein, and that the limbs of the tree blossomed fair out over the roof of the hall, while below stood the trunk within it, and the said trunk did men call Bronstock. Chapter 3 there was a king called Sigir, who ruled over Gothland, a mighty king and of many folk. He went to meet Volsung the king, and prayed him for Signy his daughter to wife, 
and the king took his talk well, and his sons withal, but she was loath thereto. Yet she bade her father rule in this as in all other things that concerned her. So the king took such reed that he gave her to him, and she was betrothed to King Sigir. And for the fulfilling of the feast and the wedding was King Sigir to come to the house of King Volzong. The king got ready the feast according to his best might, and when all things were ready, came the king's guests and King Sigir with all of the day appointed, and many a man of great account had Sigir with him. The tale tells that great fires were made and long the hall, and the great tree aforesaid stood midmost thereof. With all folks say that when as men sat by the fires in the evening, a certain man came into the hall, unknown of aspect to all men, and such like array he had, that over him was a spotted cloak, and he was barefoot, and had linen breeches knit tight even unto the bone, and he had a sword in his hand as he went up to the bronze stock, and a slouched hat upon his head. Huge he was, and seeming ancient, and one-eyed. So he drew his sword, and smote it into the tree-trunk, so that it sank in up to the hilts, and all held back from greeting the man. Then he took up the word, and said, Sa erthesus verthi brigther or stokinum, Tha skalsa that thigya admirat gyof, Ox galhan that sielfer sanna, At aldri barhan betras verthsier hindi in theta er. Whoso draweth this sword from this stock shall have the same as a gift from me, and shall find in good sooth that never bear he better sword in hand than is this. Therewith out went the old man from the hall, and none knew who he was or whither he went. Now men stand up, and none would fain be the last to lay hand to the sword, for they deemed that he would have the best of it who might first touch it. So all the noblest went thereto first, and then the others, one after another. But none who came thereto might avail to pull it out, for in no wise would it come away, howsoever they tugged at it. But now up comes Sigmund, King Volsung's son, and sets hand to the sword, and pulls it from the stock, even as if it lay loose before him. So good that weapon seemed to all that none thought he had seen such a sword before and Sigir would fain buy it of him at thrice its weight of gold. But Sigmund said, Thou mightest have taken the sword no less than I from there whereas it stood, if it had been thy lot to bear it. But now, since it is first of all fallen into my hand, never shalt thou have it, though thou biddest therefore all the gold thou hast. King Sigir grew wroth at these words, and deemed Sigmund had answered him scornfully. But, whereas he was a wary man, and a double-dealing, he made as if he heeded this matter in no wise. Yet that same evening he thought how he might reward it, as was well seen afterwards. Chapter 4 Now it is to be told that Sigir goes to bed by Signy that night. And the next morning the weather was fair. Then says King Sigir that he will not bide, lest the wind should wax or the sea grow impassable nor is it said that Volsung or his sons letted him herein, and that the less, because they saw that he was fain to get him gone from the feast. But now says Signy to her father, I have no will to go away with Sigir, neither does my heart smile upon him, and I wot, by my foreknowledge and from the fetch of our kin, 
that from this council will great evil fall on us, if this wedding be not speedily undone. Speak in no such wise, daughter, said he, for great shame will it be to him, yea, and to us also, to break truth with him, he being sackless. And in naught may we trust him, and no friendship shall we have of him, if these matters are broken off, but he will pay us back in as evil wise as he may, for that alone is seemly, to hold truly to truth given. So King Sigir got ready for home, and before he went from the feast, he bade King Volzung, his father-in-law, come see him in Gothland, and all his sons with him, whenas three months should be overpassed, and to bring such following with him as he would have, and as he deemed meet for his honor, and thereby will Sigir the king pay back for the shortcomings of the wedding feast, in that he would abide thereat but one night only, a thing not according to the want of men. So King Volzung gave his word to come on the day named, and the kinsman-in-law parted, and Sigir went home with his wife. Chapter 5 Now tells the tale of King Volzung and his sons, that they go at the time appointed to Gothland at the bidding of King Sigir, and put off from the land in three ships, all well manned, and have a fair voyage, and made Gothland late of an evening tide. But that same night came Signy, and called her father and brothers to a privy talk, and told them what she deemed King Sigir was minded to do, and how that he had drawn together an army no man may meet. And, says she, he is minded to do guilefully by you, wherefore I bid you get ye gone back again to your own land, and gather together the mightiest power ye may, and then come back hither and avenge you. Neither go ye now to your undoing, for ye shall surely fail not to fall by his wiles, if ye turn not on him, even as I bid you. Then spake Volzung the king, All people and nations shall tell of the word I spake, yet being unborn, wherein I vowed a vow that I would flee in fear from neither fire nor the sword. Even so have I done hitherto. And shall I depart therefrom now I am old? Yea, withal, never shall the maidens mock these my sons at the games, and cry out at them that they fear death. Once alone must all men need die, and from that season shall none escape. So my read it is that we flee no whither, but do the work of our hands in as manly wise as we may. A hundred fights have I fought, and whiles I had more, and whiles I had less, and yet ever had I the victory nor shall it ever be heard tell of me that I fled away, or prayed for peace. Then Signy wept right sore, and prayed that she might not go back to King Sigir. But King Volzung answered, Thou shalt surely go back to thine husband, and abide with him, howsoever it fares with us. So Signy went home, and they abode there that night. But in the morning, as soon as it was day, Volzung bade his men arise and go a land, and make them ready for battle. So they went a land, all of them all armed, and had not long to wait before Sigir fell on them with all his army. And the fiercest fight there was betwixt them, and Sigir cried on his men to the onset all he might. And so the tale tells that King Volzung and his sons went eight times right through Sigir's folk that day, smiting and hewing on either hand. But when they would do so, even once again, King Volsung fell amidst his folk, and all his men withal, saving his ten sons. For mightier was the power against them than they might withstand. But now are all his sons taken, 
and laid in bonds, and led away. And Signy was wherewithal that her father was slain, and her brothers taken and doomed to death, that she called King Sigar apart to talk with him, and said, This will I pray of thee, that thou let not slay my brothers hastily, but let them be set a while in the stocks. For home to me comes the saw that says, Sweet to eye while seen, but longer life I pray not for them, because I wot well that my prayer will not avail me. Then answered Sigir, Surely thou art mad and witless, praying thus for more bail for thy brothers than their present slaying. Yet this will I grant thee, for the better it likes me, the more they must bear, and the longer their pain is, or ever death come to them. Now he let it be done even as she prayed, and a mighty beam was brought, and set on the feet of those ten brethren in a certain place of the wildwood, and there they sit, day-long, until night. But at midnight, as they sat in the stocks, there came on them a she-wolf from out of the wood. Old she was, and both great and evil of aspect, and the first thing she did was to bite one of those brethren till he died, and then she ate him up withal, and went on her way. But the next morning Signy sent a man to the brethren, even one whom she most trusted, to wot of the tidings. And when he came back he told her that one of them was dead, and great and grievous she deemed it, if they should all fare in likewise, and yet naught might she avail them. Soon is the tale told thereof. Nine nights together came the she-wolf at midnight, and each night slew and ate up one of the brethren, until all were dead save Sigmund only. So now, before the tenth night came, Signy sent that trusty man to Sigmund her brother, and gave honey into his hand, bidding him do it over Sigmund's face, and set a little deal of it in his mouth. So he went to Sigmund, and did as he was bidden, and then came home again. And so the next night came the she-wolf according to her wont, and would slay him, and eat him even as his brothers. But now she sniffs the breeze from him, whereas he was anointed with the honey, and licks his face all over with her tongue, and then thrusts her tongue into the mouth of him. No fear he had thereof, but caught the she-wolf's tongue betwixt his teeth, and so hard she started back thereat, and pulled herself away so mightily, setting her feet against the stocks, that all was riven asunder. But he ever held so fast that the tongue came away by the roots, and thereof she had her bane. But some men say that this same she-wolf was the mother of King Sigir, who had turned herself into this likeness by troll's lore and witchcraft. End of section 1